you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi and hello, football fans. Your old pal Dave Damashek here. Make sure you check out the Dave Damashek football program. You can watch it on YouTube, NFL.com. You can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or NFL.com slash podcasts. We look at the world of pro football and the game called life. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ and Bucky on assignment once again. Last week, we were in Tampa, Florida for the East-West game uh, on some muffled cell phones. Today, we are in Mobile, Alabama <laughs> for the Senior Bowl, Buck, and we I believe we're, we're Skyping right now, audio Skype, so hopefully the... Uh, the audio quality is a little bit better. I know some people down here thought we were doing last week's pod from an airplane, but I can confirm both feet are currently on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, we're trying it on Skype. We'll see how it works out. Yeah, we'll see if we can power through this thing here, man. We, not, not a ton to get to here. We do have uh, a couple Super Bowl teams we need to talk about, those conference championship games. We'll touch on that for a minute. We'll touch on what we've seen through the first practice down here at the Senior Bowl, some good talent down here, and uh, and what we expect for the rest of the week, Buck. But uh, but first of all, let's start with uh, let's start with the NFC Championship game. Both these championship games really kind of just just butt kickings. Um, I, I can I can tell you that I've I've nailed every single one of these playoff games, which all that does is ensure that I'm going to miss the Super Bowl by like you know I won't even be close in trying to predict that one, but. I did like both the home teams this week, and, man, they dominated. How about start with the uh, the NFC? What did you see, Packers-Falcons? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are playing like the team that we thought they would play like probably about midway through the year. High-powered offense, quarterback playing at an MVP level. They are a team uh, – we've talked about this. We talked about it first with Deshaun Watson in terms of a guy that can drive a Cadillac. Matt Ryan is driving a Cadillac in Atlanta with the skill – players that he has at his disposal. Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, the tight ends. They have really surrounded him with everything that a quarterback could desire. And he's doing a great job of just simply being the bus driver, distributing the ball, allowing his playmakers to work. I know he deserves a ton of credit, but they've done a great job of assembling a lineup that really plays to his strengths as a player. 
you know, it's, it's funny. I had a chance to just briefly talk with, with Scott Pioli uh, and with uh, Thomas Dimitrov a little bit about uh, the run that they've been on and the team that they've built. And the, the, the image that I gave them was, man, it's, it's, you guys are kind of like that, that shark, you know, above in the water where we're just kind of seeing the fin and, and, uh, and what, what's taking place with their success. We don't see the underbody there, what's going on underneath the water, how hard they have worked in the, in the team that they've built last year. You know, a lot of these key players for them that are playing great were on this team last year, but they've just continued to add more pieces to the puzzle. And now you're seeing, when you have you know some complementary pieces in place, it's making their stars much much better, and we've seen those guys kind of take their play to the next level. I mean, Mohamed Sanu is like the he is the quintessential perfect off season free agency addition, Bucky, because he gives you some playmaking ability. He's still young. He's a great teammate. He's ultra ultra tough. I mean, all the character qualities he has. Now he's not a you know talk about a Batman or a Robin. He's not Batman. You've got Batman and Julio Jones, but man, he really does a nice job of playing that secondary role. He absolutely does. And you and I talked about your bas- uh, your wide receiver core is really like a basketball team. You need to have guys with different weapons, different skill sets so they can complement one another. And when I look at Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu, you're talking about two big players, but they go about their bus- business in different ways. Julio Jones is the explosive, the beast, the guy that can do anything and everything. With Muhammad Sanu, you talk about the perfect complement. We had talked about wide receiver cores being built like basketball teams, guys who have skills that complement one another. In Julio Jones, you have a big physical playmaker, guy that can do everything. Muhammad Sanu is kind of the guy that does the dirty work in the red zone, over the middle of the field. Also saw his ability to kind of jump in as a Wildcat quarterback. He is a very nice compliment to Julio Jones. And if you go back and really think about how the Falcons were originally constructed under Matt Ryan, he basically has replaced Roddy White and given them a dynamic number two receiver where you possibly could have 2,000-yard receivers as they continue to progress and grow together as a young team. One thing I I think, too, when you just look at this defense that they've built there in Atlanta – um, now it's just it's just getting going, but it's funny to me because you look at, at Dan Quinn, his background in Seattle, and when you watch Seattle play, you throw their forty times out. I mean, it just they just always look like the fastest team on the field on the defensive side of the ball. And when you start looking at now these pieces that they have in Atlanta, okay, we, are, we get a lot of talk about Vic Beasley, but Grady Jarrett is an inside rusher, is a fastball co- coming inside. You look at what they do with Keanu Neal and how they drop him down in the box. He's a fastball. Deion Jones is a fastball. Uh, Devondre Campbell ran really well, even for a bigger linebacker. Uh, they have got you know corner Jalen Collins is an ultra ultra athletic fast guy. They've just they've put so much speed on the defensive side of the ball, and they're built to play with a lead. You get a lead, and they can suffocate you with their speed. So it's it's really kind of a it's an interesting team that they've built there. I think they were happy as crazy as this sounds, Buck, I think they were happy to see the Packers. They matched up great with them. I think the Cowboys would have given the Falcons a little more trouble had they met in this NFC championship game. Oh, I absolutely agree with you, DJ. They are a team that uh, when you're building a team, I think they've kind of built it the right way. They knew they had a high-powered offense in place, or they were hoping that they would have a high-powered offense. So now you build that defense to complement what you have. The offense is the strength of the team, and because the offense can jump out, their defense is loaded with pass rushers, sideline-to-sideline playmakers at the second level, and then cover guys in the back end. 
And so this young team, which will be really a cheap team because they're drafted, those guys won't come up for a couple of years. This is a team that certainly can grow together. And you can see this defense become one of the top defenses because as they continue to learn the nuances of playing in this simple scheme, they will only get faster and only make more plays because they understand exactly what they're doing. I think on the other side of the ball, you look at Green Bay. This is a team that does need to get a little bit more athletic, does need to get a little bit younger uh, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball. So that's going to be a challenge for them. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, um, you know, it wasn't his best game. I mean, the stats look good. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the perfect game for him, but man, you can't, you can't ask the guy to stink and lead the team in rushing every week. They have got to do something in the off season to get him a little bit more help there and become a little bit more balanced. And, uh, and I, I think even you look at their, in the, in the passing game, uh, I know they've got some, some really, really good wide receivers, Buck. But, uh, you know, when, when Jordy Nelson's healthy, he's, he's a true number one. But, man, they don't – they could use another dude, another big-time dude in, in the passing game as well. Yeah, I think the thing that we've seen when you look at the Green Bay Packers, they are a really good team. But no team should have to rely on scramble plays and sandlot plays so often to sustain your offense. At some point, you need to have guys that can whip the opponent on the other side of them. And I don't know in the passing game, outside of Jordy Nelson, and occasionally we saw Devontae Adams come up and step up and be a solid number two, I don't know how many stars they have on offense. And this is a game where when you get to the championship level, you need to have your stars kind of carry you over. And I just don't know if the Packers have enough stars that can get them over the threshold. Yeah, and I think you know the other point I'll just make in this game before we move on is uh... – it's the ability to create explosive plays. And you just look down here at the uh, at their box chart, at the uh, box score. Julio Jones has 73-yard play. You know, you've got Devontae Freeman out of the backfield gets you a 19-yard catch. You've got Coleman out of the backfield gets you a 17-yard catch. DeMarco, the fullback, gets you a 31-yard catch. I mean, they, and that's not even counting. Gabriel and Hooper both had catches over, you know, 15 yards or so. You had Sanu with 16-yard catch. So they, they are finding ways to just get these chunk plays and especially in the postseason, this is where it's going to be fascinating as we kind of switch over here to the AFC game, is that the, the Patriots are one of those few teams that they don't necessarily have to have those explosive plays. Tom Brady can carve you up 10, to 10 yards at a time, but for most, of the, most mortals, that's hard to do, especially in the postseason. To score points, you need explosives, and Atlanta can do that. The challenge is going to be, you know, with New England, they are so patient. They're the they're a team that's just going to beat you, you know, death by a million paper cuts is what we like to call it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely interesting to watch the contrasting styles. You talk about the Atlanta Falcons being an explosive team, a home run team. They have guys that can take it the distance from anywhere on the field, be it their running backs, be it the guys on the perimeter. They can kind of – live on short plays that turn into big games for the Patriots. They are a team that's a little more methodical in their approach. They put a lot on Tom Brady to be patient, to be disciplined, to not avoid the big mistakes. They don't necessarily have the guys in their receiver core that can make those big plays on catching runs. But what they are able to do is to take Tom Brady and craft and design a couple of plays that generate the explosive plays. We saw the flea flicker against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've seen them come up with some other tricks and gadgets to create those home run plays. In the Super Bowl, they're going to need to generate some of those 25-plus yard passes 
for them to have a chance to kind of stay on the field with an explosive Atlanta Falcon offense. What's your thoughts? We touched on the Packers here. The Patriots, obviously, you know, it was a pretty just a thorough beating of Pittsburgh. Brady was on fire. Um, you know, they didn't have a ton of run game going there, but they ran it enough with LeGarrette Blunt, get enough attempts to him to stay balanced. Hogan had the game of his life. You know, I mentioned the flea flicker and some of the other opportunities he had. But when you look at Pittsburgh, um, I know they've got some young kids in their secondary bucket. You're going to see them continue to get better. But, uh, man, I just I, I look at, at who they're bringing pass rush-wise. I like Hargrave as a young interior defensive player. James Harrison has played well for, you know, for where he is in his career. But still, this is not, you know, I, I just think back to those old Steeler teams with a young uh, Woodley and a young Harrison. And before that, all those linebackers they used to trot through there. I just, man, I just, they can't get home. No, they can't get home. And in their scheme, a zone blitz scheme, uh, if you're not able to get free and clear, there are holes in the zone. And what we saw Tom Brady do is we saw him pick them apart. We saw them kind of dictate the turns. They would go empty. The Steelers would make a kind of soft check. They would take advantage of what the check is. And the thing that I would compliment the New England Patriots on, they are masters of game plans. They do a great job of finding what your weakness is, and they relentlessly attack it. For the Pittsburgh Steelers to take that next step, you're right. They have to find pass rusher or two, like a guy that can be a double-digit guy. Because when they were really dominant in the mid-2000s, they had the ability to knock the quarterback around with multiple people. They no longer have that ability when you look at Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree and James Harrison. They just don't have those dominating forces off the edge. No, I I agree with you. Um, You know, it's just – it's funny when you talk about the way they played in that game and they just continually just played soft zone coverage against Tom Brady. And I was thinking it's not apples to apples, but look, I went to a small, you know, private uh, Christian high school. Okay, Buck. So basketball season, imagine this. Okay. We've got, you know, especially my, my junior senior year, we don't have anybody really over six, four, you know, so we're all, we're all six one to six four white dudes that, that can shoot. Okay, that's what we are, Buck. We're not we're not a penetrating team. We're not an overly athletic team. And we go out there and a team would play zone against us. Buck was like, oh, thank you. This is like a gift from from above. And you go out there and see a team that wants to press us ninety you know ninety four feet. They go, oh, this is going to be a long long day. I'm just sitting there going, Tom Brady's going, are you serious? You guys going to play eight yards off? I'm going to you up. Too easy. I mean, I would. I was actually, I mean, I was kind of shocked that they didn't, they never deviated from their plan. They never challenged them at the line of scrimmage. They never played man to man. The teams that have had the greatest success against the Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, the Houston Texans, they were teams that were willing to play man to man. They put a premium on knocking guys around at every turn. And then they were able to heat up Tom Brady with four and five rushers. I don't believe that you can play Ben, but don't break and patiently wait for Tom Brady to make a mistake. He's one of the few quarterbacks that's disciplined enough to take the check down and continue to take the check down all the way down the field, and he will rarely give you the ball back. I think you have to be able to dial it up and come after him. I think you got to just challenge your guys, right? I mean, hey, look, guys, I know we're young, we're a little inexperienced, but where's what we're gonna do? You know, we're gonna we're if we lose, we're going down swinging, so we're gonna get up in their face, we're gonna press them. If they want to throw it over the top of us, take the chances. Hopefully, we get a couple of them. Maybe they're gonna get a couple of them but I'm not going to sit back here and let him just surgically just pick us apart. I mean, that's, that's painful. I mean, it, it's really painful, and I do agree with you. 
the best way that you play the Patriots, when I talked to a defense coordinator, he said you have to put your hands on the receivers. You have to disrupt the timing of the passing game. You have to force Brady off his spot. So to me, it, it, it kind of requires a couple of different tenets of the game plan. I want man-to-man uh, coverage on the outside, and I want to be creative in the way that we attack the quarterback. Stunts, games, we saw how Houston was able to use Whitney Merkulis in a bunch of different ways. I believe you just have to kind of unleash it and live, to re- live with the results. Because if you play zone defense against him, he will absolutely win all of the time, and we will see the pages hang another banner in Gillette. And by the way, I'm, I haven't even told him this yet, but for our producer, our Junins, I'm, I'm finding him. I'm going to say, I think he has to buy us each. What do you, I, I like a soup at our little cafe at NFL Network, Buck. I don't know what you want of, of, oh, of equal, yeah. equal or lesser value. You okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. What 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 did Arjuna do? Well, why, here's why? here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, Arjuna is a he's a he's a Boston, New England sports fan, and he's you know we're talking about setting up stuff we're gonna do next week for our video shows for the Super Bowl, and then like he just puts a little tag in there like oh I'm so excited for the you know I'm really pumped up for the Patriots like like oh really like what's it like to finally have some success what you know how I don't know what's he been to this is like his seventh Super Bowl in the in the 23 years he's been alive like. Come on, dude. I'm not happy for you. It's old hat. It, 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 stop. You're fine. It's a soup. It's two soup. It's a two soup. Fine. <laughs> two soup seems a little excessive. And he hits me at this, Bucky. He hits me at Arjuna. Come on. And you hit me with this the same week, even though I wasn't a fan growing up. My, you know, my town, my home team. They they lose. They leave. They they've totally moved. They move, and then the same week you're like, oh, you know, hey, but hey, let's have a party for me. You know, I'm going. Hey, what do you know? Going to Super Bowl again. Big shocker. So it's a two super. That's a two super. Uh, Bucky, Senior Bowl. What did you see uh, today out of practice? You know, DJ, the first day um, when guys are in shells, I have a tendency to kind of keep my eyes on the skill guys. Um, I know the game is built down in the trenches, but I kind of like to see them fully padded before I make evaluations on those guys. So in casting my eyes to the guys on the perimeter, I must say, I was really impressed with some of the wide receivers and tight ends. Um, give me some. Give me some names. Well, I'm going to give you some names. So, obviously, I'm going to start with the Tar Heel, Ryan Switzer. And the reason uh, that's odd. That's odd. The reason I was impressed with Ryan, because I really want to see what he was going to look like out here. And I was pleasantly surprised by his route running ability. I knew he was quick and explosive. I knew he was a punt returner and all that. But his ability to run routes from the outside, the comebacks, uh, some of the curls, some of the things he was able to do in one-on-ones, to me, it was impressive. I know the height is going to be an issue, and I know the size is going to be a bit of an issue, but he's pretty creative. He's pretty dynamic. I thought he was terrific, and I thought on the other side, Cooper Cup is a monster. He's a dude. He's a monster. And not in the sense of, like, oh, he can run, but he is really crafty with his route running, his releases, the way he was able to get separation and press. He's... I thought he was good when I watched him in the fall. He's even better than I thought when I see him now matched up against some of these DBs and corners that were trying to take him on today. I'll tell you what, I, I wish we could do this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to challenge the guys, and they're going to hate me for doing this right now. But um, is there any way, Arjuna, is there any way that we can take the interview that we did with Cooper Cup on TV and throw it on the back end of our podcast? Are we allowed to do that? 
You mean at the back end of this podcast? Yeah, at the back end of this podcast. Uh, we can look into it. If not, if not on this one, maybe we included it. Just, just hold that. Grab the audio from that because, Bucky, it's you know we've been doing this for a long time, interviewing guys as scouts, and then also, you know, since we've gone over to the dark side here on the media, it was one of the most impressive interviews I, I've ever done. I mean, he is a stud. You talk about somebody that gets it. Um, that's, that's, uh, gives you every right answer. It's not phony. It's not staged. It's, it's very authentic. I asked him about going down to that Manning camp and what he learned from Eli and Peyton. And he just, you know, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it's everything you want. This guy is such a professional, um, for somebody that's at this stage in his career, just getting ready to start his career. He just, you know, you know, when you talk to certain guys that, that there's, they're, they're going to be really good. This dude's going to be really good. Yeah, I mean he he he's terrific. I mean, watching him go through the routes, watching him uh, compete and take those guys down, he certainly came with a little chip on his shoulder, but he did it in a very professional manner. Like he was about his business. And so my biggest takeaway from him is, oh, he is a nice number two receiver. And I know we've talked about the comparison. I heard you on air talk about Eric Decker. Uh, that's who I kind of had him pegged as prior to seeing him, but. He's a nice mix. I mean, he is a nice mix of size, speed. Uh, he has some pop. He can be in, in a system like a Green Bay or a New York Giants or a West Coast system that really places a premium on route running. He could be a terrific player. What do you think of Zay Jones from East Carolina? I thought he had a pretty good day. You know, I thought he had a pretty good day. He did some pretty nice things. I saw him get jammed up a little bit, but he's certainly talented. I believe he and Josh Reynolds. Our talented guys. Josh Reynolds dropped a couple balls early during the warm-ups. I kind of dismissed some of those because I know the butterflies can kind of take over. But both of those guys are kind of long, smooth striders, guys mm -hmm. that can create separation. I thought they did a pretty good job in one-on-ones. Yeah, Zay Jones is good, and we knew he was talented. Obviously, he has legacy. His dad had played um, at East Carolina. I guess his also. little brother is supposed to be a big-time linebacker recruit, too. I mean, I mean, he, I mean, I mean, it's the family business. You know, his older brother, Caleb <laughs> at Texas, also went to Arizona. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent in that family. All right, how about, did you see, uh, I don't know if you saw that dude from uh, from Villanova in the weigh-ins, Buck, but, yeah. man, he is a big, good-looking dude, and he came out there to uh, to practice today and carried it over. I mean, he's, he's, he's impressive. He is impressive. I mean, he's quite a show pony on the hoof when you see him. I mean, you're talking about a long, athletic dude a guy that looks the part when he puts his, his hand in the ground. He has those tools and traits that defensive coaches just salivate over. So I thought he had a solid day. I want to continue to see him build on it when they get in pass. But he's certainly off to a nice start. Yeah, he was six. He was right at six seven, just a tick under six seven, two 280 pounds, and, uh, and not an ounce of fat on him. I mean, it was – yeah, it was impressive well, watching him uh, at the weigh-ins and then seeing him out in the field and what he did on one-on-ones. I thought defensive line-wise, it's a pretty good group. Monta Montavious Adams from Auburn had a really nice day. He's got a lot of power inside. Uh, my, my dude from uh, Charlotte, from UNC Charlotte, had a really, really nice day. He's got a real, real quick first step as a defensive tackle. He was a 3-4 nose. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, he's six oh two four, so six two and a half, three hundred and four pounds. He had a really nice day. Uh, so there's some good dudes on the inside in there. My tackle that I love, Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky Buck. It wasn't his best day. Uh, hopefully, just knocking some rust off. He got a little overextended at times. 
but there were definitely opportunities where you could see that torque and power that he has in his hands. He's a, he's a really, really good player, but uh, lost a couple reps today, overextended, ducked his head a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, you talk about being excited about the offensive lineman. I'm really excited about the tight end class. You've talked this guy up a lot, Jared, Gerald Everett, and he showed up and performed. In fact, everyone on the South squad at tight end was pretty impressive. Oh, good. Yeah. I thought Ben Ingram and Gerald Everett are kind of like that Jordan Reed um, type player, a guy that can split out. They're really jumbo-sized wide receivers. They create problems at the top of the route. They run routes like wide receivers. They catch the ball very well, and they're explosive when they get their hands on it. I think O.J. Howard separated himself a little bit from that mm-hmm. pack. I do believe he's a little more complete. I thought he did a great job of tracking the ball down the field, made a couple plays, and when you see him kind of work, can try and if he can try and just become a little bit better as a blocker, I think he can be a long-time Pro Bowl caliber tight end in the right offense. Yeah, I thought this year he made you know good strides. I thought he was much better in the run game. Um, so, and I think he's somebody that comes in and plays right away. The one thing that you that I haven't got a chance to, to get a feel for him just yet. I want to see him in the one-on-ones. I didn't get to. I know I peeked down there. We were we were. Um, doing tv on the other side of the field so i, I want to go back and watch that and see how he did i had peeked yeah. down there and saw a couple of nice catches i don't know if you got a chance to see all that but so when you guys were talking about the one-on-ones on the other end i went down and i peeked at the tight ends and the linebackers and i will say that each one of those guys everett ingram and howard had great days in the one-on-ones from everett and ingram what I saw, man, I saw a lot of movement and wiggle at the top of their routes. Um, mm-hmm. They were able to separate and run away from guys. From O.J. Howard, I was more impressed with his ability to track the ball down the field. He had a couple of nice one-hand grabs. He made a nice adjustment on a deep ball. Um, he looked good. I mean, he looked like the player that we thought that he could be, but he, he kind of put it together with a solid performance on practice. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and put this up early. So when we get back, um, probably maybe maybe we can even wait till the combine. After the combine, when we start path to the draft. Uh, last year, I mean, I, my my favorite thing, one of my favorite things, is we usually watch and tape by ourselves. But during path season, me and you get a chance to get in there and, and watch some stuff when we get free time. I remember last year, but I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you had one corner from the from the uh, Senior Bowl last year. And you said, "That's he said this dude. This is a dude, man. This is a legit dude." And it was Tavon Young from Temple who ended up going to the Ravens. They got a great value with him and had a heck of a year. Yeah, I like I liked his footwork um, when he came down. I thought I thought he was quick. I he, thought he was dynamic. Um, you know, he was a really good player. And I think there's some really good players down here at the corner position. Uh, we had the advantage at the South where they made those guys play from off, and I think. They don't it's like a pedal buck. There's, there's some dudes that have not pedaled before, and they were very uncomfortable. I, oh, you know, and they, they did themselves a disservice because you want to see them pedal. You want to see where they are. I was pleasantly surprised by Tredavious being able oh, to play. Dude, man. I didn't know that he could do those things, but it changes the way that I look at him because his ability to play off, the way he closed on the ball and made plays, uh, you couple that with the fact that he can get nose-to-nose and play press. Now he's a guy that can fit in any scheme. And so as we continue to dig on him and see some more of the ball skills and the other stuff, I'm kind of excited about what he showed. Yeah, he's my 19th overall player, so I'm a big fan. He's somebody that's already graduated, high character. He's got a lot of production. He's ultra-athletic. 
smart. I mean, he's, he checks a lot of the boxes. So uh, I think he's kind of a ready-made player to get out there and, uh, and get going very early in his career, Buck. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys. The pad come, pads come on tomorrow. Uh, we'll see how these running backs perform, and that's a little bit more of a true environment. Quarterback-wise, didn't get a great feel for any of them. I thought Dobbs was a little bit better than I anticipated in the morning uh, from Tennessee. Uh, Peterman uh, didn't get a great feel for him this afternoon. He's got a live arm, though. So does so does Davis Webb. Buck, one thing I'm looking forward to is is tomorrow the pads come on, and uh, and then we're going to get a good chance to see these quarterbacks really perform because I know as a quarterback I hated it when we practice with shells with just shorts and shoulder pads because you don't get a true rush and what happens is you get everything gets clogged up the line of scrimmage i struggled to see so you get the pads on everything gets a little bit clearer it's crisper it's faster and some people think that's a negative when it's faster i thought it actually made it a lot easier because you'll have some more defined throwing lanes yeah, it will It will be easier. I think it, you, you will see people calm down. I actually think you'll see a better performance. I think the first day is always the worst day because they are really, really nervous. I remember my time in 94 coming down here being really nervous, having the butterflies, and I think it takes a while for them to settle down. I want to see them in pads because I want to see the physicality and toughness of the offensive line. I want to see how the quarterbacks react with potentially having rushers and bodies around them. And I want to see how the guys actually can work off of jams and work to get free down the field. I think tomorrow will be a better day from an evaluation standpoint for us. Who were you pumped to see in your senior bowl experience, Bucky, when you were playing? Who was when you got here, you're like, man, I can't wait to either play with this guy or go up against this guy? You know, it was crazy because uh, on my squad, uh, Marvin Graves was the quarterback. Marvin Graves and Jim Miller. Uh, okay. I remember one of the guys, and Marvin Graves was a big-time player running the freeze option at Syracuse. Uh, Shelby Hill was a receiver that was there. Uh, Lake Dawson and I were teammates, and Derek Alexander, who played for a long time in the league, oh, yeah. uh, was out there. So it was kind of funny to, to to see those guys and see some of the other guys that kind of came through. But, you know, I know you, you talked about guys, top guys, you're playing this game because of the competitiveness. I do believe you can kind of separate yourself. If you're solid here the first two or three days, um, I think you kind of write your ticket in terms of what kind of player, your, your draft status, and, and all of that, because this is the last time we'll see guys playing pads, and this memory is kind of a lasting impression for you. No question. I agree with you, Buck. Well, so we'll have the pads on tomorrow. Uh, the plan right now, I don't want to make promises here, but the plan is for us to do another audio episode Thursday evening. Um, so we'll have a couple more days of Senior Bowl practice to talk over and I don't know if we need to – I think we'll pass on previewing the Pro Bowl, Buck. I think I'm going to take a hard pass on that one. Uh, but uh, we can talk about what's going on down here at the Senior Bowl on Thursday, Lord willing. And uh, and then we'll be back next week in the studio, crank out some uh, some Super Bowl content. Hey, man, I'm all about it. It sounds great for me. All right, man. Let's uh, – let's, what do you say? Let's go get an ice cream. Let's go get an ice cream down here in Mobile. Uh, me and Bucky – me and Bucky Brooks are going to go enjoy a little uh, ice cream and uh, maybe a uh, – Maybe a malt, maybe a malt, maybe a milkshake. Uh, I don't know. Uh, who knows? We're, we're probably just going to go to bed because we're tired. But uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for downloading. And we'll see you back hopefully later this week. Actually, before we get out of here, Bucky, I, I just found out that we do have the, uh, the interview here, the Cooper Cup interview. So we will sign off and let you listen to uh, one of the more impressive kids in this draft class, Cooper Cup wide receiver from Eastern Washington. 428 catches and 73 touchdowns. You wouldn't think that Cooper Cup from Eastern Washington had anything to prove day one of the Reese's Senior Bowl, but Cooper, did you and how did it go? 
Oh man, I know it's fun being out here, man. It's uh, you know a great opportunity. I love competing against uh, you know what, what's perceived to be the best in the nation here, and uh, there's some great players all the way through. And uh, just being able to come out here, strap the pads up again, uh, is a real blessing. I mean, usually you gotta wait another full year to be able to do this, so uh, real excited to be back out here. Hey, Cooper, I've never met you, but I, I have a feeling you got a little bit of a, a monumental chip on your shoulder. You're a Division I AA guy. The first tape I put in was Oregon, and you lit them up. Then this year, Washington State, you lit them up. You're, you get bright-eyed when you talk about the competition out here. Do you think you have some stuff to prove? You know, I don't like to think about it that way. Even going up against those Pac-12 schools, and anytime you play an FBS, you know, I've prepared the same way I would have if I was going up against any other FCS, D2, D3 uh, so it was really just a matter of just preparing, and I was going to be me regardless of uh, who was stepping on the field with me. I always respect my opponent, and um, so even coming out here, you know, I respect these guys and what they've done, and there's guys from all, all different levels here, too, which is just a little bit more FBS than I'm used to. Uh, so really just uh, coming out here, being me, being the player I've always been, and uh, just, you know, playing football. Since the season ended, Cooper, what's the area you're trying to, to really hone in and improve on? And maybe you can use this week to show the, the progress that you made. Yeah, well, as a receiver, I, I always feel like I'm never good enough. You know, so there's always, you know, every part of my game, I'm trying to improve. And a big part of this coming up, this next, uh, taking this next step is making sure I can create separation. And I want to be even better at that. It's something I've prided myself on throughout the years in college. But even at this next level, I want to take it even a step farther, make sure there's no wasted movement through any of my breaks and uh, make sure I'm efficient through all of those. So that's one thing I really want to be focusing on and something I've been working on over the last month or so. Hey, Cooper, is there a guy in the NFL whose game you think is similar to yours? And the second part of the question is when we get to Indianapolis, what are you going to run in the 40? Yeah, well, I'm sure you guys have probably heard this from every receiver you talk to, but you know, two receivers I, I really look up to, I like the way they play, is Larry Fitzgerald and Antonio Brown. And while I don't see myself with a direct uh, comparison to either one of those guys, I love the way those guys play the game. Larry Fitz, in terms of understanding coverages, seeing how to run his routes, and even before the play starts, understanding leverage and how he's going to separate where those open spots are going to be. Uh, even though now he, you know, he can't move as well as he probably did before, and uh, he might tell you differently, but uh, <laughs> but then in the way that Antonio Brown's able to use just his quickness, I mean, he's just a great athlete. Even though he doesn't have the size that Fitzgerald does, he finds ways to separate uh, even in, in a different way. So kind of somewhere between those two guys, try to kind of build my utility belt around how those two guys play. Hey, don't forget the 40-yard yeah. dash time, hey, big guy. I, I'm very confident. I'm working hard with uh, Ryan Flaherty, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm a get myself down there around 4-4 four, four at the combine. Nice. Real quick, Cooper, I know you spent some time at the Manning Academy. What have you learned from, from those two great quarterbacks? Oh, man. I mean, I didn't want to go down there and be a sponge as much as I can. As a receiver, if you're nice enough to let me sit in with all the quarterbacks and uh, learn what I can and try to just sit back there and just soak it all up. Uh, those, both of those guys are just machines and the way they work, the way they attack the game. You can just see the, the respect, the, the true respect they have for the game and, and that they're never satisfied with where they are. Uh, they're always striving to get better. Even at the very end of his career, there's always more uh, Payton Eli. Both of those guys can learn, and, and they, they know that, and, they're, and they attack that in the offseason. And I think we see the respect, Cooper Cup, that you have for the game as well. Best of luck this week at the 2017 Reese's Senior Bowl. And I know you want to be Antonio Brown, but put the phone down when you get in the locker room, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Thanks Cooper. Thank you. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.